welcome to the Films I Love Most podcast. Hello. Da 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 da. Did you enjoy that? Oh yeah. What's going on? I don't know. What, oh, I don't know what happened there. I think I hit the wrong button. Uh oh, we've gone into warp speed too early. Oh. That's not good. <laughs> that is not good. Hi, Beta. What's going on, Keith? How you doing? I'm good, and I'm very excited about today's episode for many reasons, but obviously one of the main reasons I'm excited is because we get to delve into Star Wars Legends, and you know, I'm just going to say this, the books and stuff started to come out when I was quite young, and I was just too young to read them, but it's recently having you know, really gone back and, and analysed the Star Wars films and gone into the mythology of them all and everything. I'm really rediscovering uh, Star Wars Legends and also Clone Wars. You know, I forgot about how much of Clone Wars I had forgotten. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, the Clone Wars, they got as part of like the this the whole this new canon that they're that they're creating. Yeah, you know, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> You're happy, overjoyed. You're so happy with everything. You think it's the best oh, thing I, since sliced bread. I am <laughs> I, super happy and super excited about what they're doing with the clones, the clone wars, and you know the clones and stuff and everything like that. Because you know, I'm saying if you've, uh, I know you've heard about the the Bad Batch coming out, so I'm super excited. Yes, about that. on the 4th of May. Yes. We should, um, We've got a show on the 4th of May because obviously it's Star Wars Day. Um, I think that we should watch the first episode or something together. That would be quite nice, wouldn't it, of the of the Bad Batch? Or yes. um, watch it and then, when, then maybe review the episode. Yeah, very excited, obviously. Uh, introducing the It's going to be an oh, animated break- series based. You're breaking yeah. up a little bit. Oh, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, okay, you're clear now. Okay. Excellent. So, um, if you are just joining us, hello everyone. Thank you for the claps. Clap, clap, clap. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is the Star Wars story. We're here. Uh, every been here for forever. We've been here, like, ever since the galaxy from far, far away uh, was born, I feel. And this is the first episode we've done where it hasn't been about a rewatch because we have been doing uh, Star Wars watch alongs. And last week was the last one with Rise of Skywalker with me and Rushy Reviews. Big up Rushy Reviews. Um, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it happened. Um, <laughs> I'm excited now <laughs> to move on to some more. I, I, I suppose what we should have actually have called this episode, what if, you know, what if uh, Star Wars Legends was actually the canon that we know the, the new, you know, the Star Wars trilogy um, had. So, I mean, what are your first experiences with Star Wars Legends? Well, Star Wars, the, well, the first Star Wars Legends book I read uh, was the, the Bane trilogy. It was Ooh, the story oh. of, uh, you know, Darth Bane and his rise to power. 
So I I was lucky in starting there because I because that's really the and in Legends that's really like the first book mm. in what you could consider the the Skywalker saga. Okay. I would think just because that's where they the the they formed the rule of two. Well, Darth Bane comes up with the rule of two. Ah, okay. So obviously this is this was obviously written like sort of around the time of the prequels, maybe a little bit after. Yeah. So this is like really building on that mythology, all that stuff that we learned about in the prequel trilogy as well, really expanding that out. I find that interesting. I have got listen, I um invested quite a few pennies into getting a lot of the Legends books on my Kindle. So I'm gonna be starting oh. working my way through uh those. I am I have started at the moment oh. I'm reading um Heir to the Empire, obviously the Timothy Zane books. Yes, and he is Very- one of the best author, one of the best Star, Star Wars authors uh, in the Legends series, let me tell you. Uh, you uh, and Everything Empire is, is so good, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's let's get in our... Um, I mean, it's the wrong show for a TARDIS, but we'll get into a TARDIS anyway. And go back. Whoa, oh, do you, uh, am I the only one who's <laughs> over in this TARDIS? <laughs> 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 down, slow it down. Okay, and here we go. We've landed. We've landed right back in 1978. So I suppose Ooh. a lot of people are like, "Yeah, the legends, you know, Star Wars legends really started with, you know, those sort of uh, expanded universe books coming out in the early 90s." But I would say that the legends books started right back in 1978 with Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So I remember. I actually I read that. Actually, that was that last. Not like no, in nineteen I read that. That was yeah. That was a that was a good that was a good story, and it expanded upon and it showed. You know, it's like you know the the Republic didn't just rebuild itself overnight. It, it that was the starting of the rebuilding process of you know the Republic that in Legends was I mean turned into a pretty big political you know what I'm saying entity yeah well do you do you know the reason why they um Alan Dean Foster wrote Splinter of the Mind's Eye because um George Lucas was convinced that Star Wars was going to fail as a film like he was convinced that uh the first film would come out it would probably get like some like moderate reviews people would quite enjoy it but it would just dissipate into film history and so um, whilst the first film was being made, he asked uh, Alan Dean Foster to write a sequel to Star Wars in book form in case the movie flopped and they were just going to release the book straight after. But of course, Star Wars was a huge success. But at the same time, you know, I think Lucas may have felt a little bit bad for <laughs> Alan Dean Foster that he'd spent all this time writing Splinter of the Mind's Eye and that it was never going to be seen by the public. So he was just like, I'll oh, just release it. So he did. So actually, Splinter of the Mind's Eye is the official sequel to Star Wars A New Hope. 
okay. Okay, yeah. I, okay, I hadn't heard that. I like yeah, that would have been that would have been nice. Yeah. Because it because literally George Lucas really did not have much faith in Yeah, I know nobody did. Everybody thought everybody thought it was gonna it was gonna fail. It was gonna yeah. be, you know, this was space pe you know, people in space fighting this monster. <laughs> nobody understood it. You know what I'm saying? It was no. so so before its time. Yeah. That's and it's Alec, now. It doesn't help also that Alec Guinness is like like publicly slagging it off. Like it's a load of old <laughs> Right. Like, Shut up, Alec Guinness. <laughs> I'm doing it for well, the hey, money. Shut up, Alec. Hey. <laughs> we got somebody sent me a message. We somebody somebody they got they gotta run, but they want us to play their message. Can we give a, a, a message to play real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Harry Tom. Might be a bit controversial to be fair, depending on how you think of it, but my favourite Skywalker and my favourite character has always been Anakin because of like how he started the legacy and I think that his mysteriousness is quite cool as well. Ooh, okay, Anakin is your favourite character. Is it really bad that I've got actually got a crush on Clone Wars Anakin more than I do actually real life person Anakin? <laughs> oh, movie Anakin is just ah oh, the epitome of Anakin. <laughs> I know, but Clone Wars animated Anakin has got a much better jawline. Just saying. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll say, right, I get it. I get it. Um, so yeah, the Splinters of a Mind's Eye um, was it acts as the sequel to A New Hope, and he and Foster wrote it. Um, it was like the very first installment of the expanded universe, and and like I said before, he wrote it because George Lucas asked him to, because George Lucas thought that the film was never going to succeed. So this was going to be the only like sequel really to tie up lots of sort of loose ends to the story. So it's set mm -hmm. in two AB wine. Split the Mind's Eye follows Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa to the planet uh, Memban, where they seek out a powerful Kybra crystal and encounter Darth Vader. So look at look, this book is already setting up a whole Kybra crystal thing, like way right, yeah. way back at the beginning of this of the saga. So different back then, they were just you know crystals. There was no real big mysticism on them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying back then. Yeah, yeah. And they slowly evolved. And it's had a comic book adaptation uh, by Dark Horse Comics in 1995. Um, it's had so much. There's so much continuity around it as well. So the, ky the Kybra crystal that appears in Splinter of the Mind's Eye um, was based on the, obviously, the Kybra crystal, um, a force-focusing artifact mentioned in the early drafts of Star Wars A New Hope and currently Star Wars canon, Kyber crystals are the power source of lightsabers of course and the planet Memban um, which was created in Splinters of a Mind's Eye appeared in the 2018 film Solo A Star Wars Story Yes Yes Yeah. <laughs> and in the comic book The Rise of Kylo Ren the artifact called the Mind Splinter is mentioned as being from the moon, uh, the moon, la, 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 
from the mine moon of Memban. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. The mine moon of Memban. Goodness me. There's a lot of M's in that. But yeah, so, you know, all of this uh, ties back together with, um, with that. And it was like a really popular book. Like it was on the New York bestseller list. You know, people loved it. So yeah. there you go, guys. Um, the... Go out and get that book and read yeah. Splinter yeah. of the Mind's Eye. You get yes, you get a little a little insight into Luke and Leia. Mm. The official sequel, um, Empire Strikes Back, is a is a phony. Splinter <laughs> 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 of the Mind's Eye is the true sequel. <laughs> They're gonna come for you, Keith. Don't say that. You can't you can't talk about Empire. Empire is is that's Uh-oh. that's you know, that's that's the number one movie ever. <laughs> it's okay, Vader. They won't come for me. I'm, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Let him go. Let him go. <laughs> They're trying to put him in a van. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> They're putting me in a tie fighter. Help. <laughs> oh my word. But yes, obviously, um, I just find that really fascinating that George Lucas just had so much self-doubt about Star Wars and, you know, that that one novel could have been, you know, all that we'd got from Star Wars and that was it. A film and a book. That would have been it. Over. Mm, but and that, luckily that, that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah. So, it went in I an entirely that... different direction. Absolutely. And also, I, I think that my interest in the Star Wars books came from going to the library and seeing all of those uh, expanded um, universe books. I never really got into anything that didn't involve Luke, Leia, and Han Solo. So that, you know, that was, but, I had that problem. I had that problem. Yeah. Yeah. It did you? Once you venture uh, out, yeah. Once. You, once you venture out, um, your uh, what was what was the book? It was actually it was the Darth Bane book, as a matter of fact. It was the Darth Bane book, and I read it just because you know what I'm saying it was it was like crazy popular at the time. So I said, forget it. I'm gonna go ahead, and uh, and I was I was just stuck. I'm talking stuck. It took uh, it was nine months for the entire series to come out. I'm sorry, 10 months for the entire series to come out. And I just devoured in that time, just started devouring everything Star Wars. It's mm. crazy. But that's good, though, because it's taking it out of your Star Wars comfort zone. You know, you haven't got the characters there that you um, obviously identify with because you've seen them in the film. So having that sort of, you know, breaking off point, I think is important if you want to enjoy star wars as a whole because you know i do find it very difficult to write things that don't include uh characters that i've seen i don't read or anything of you know the latter trilogy i i'm so immersed in like the rebellion years and the empire years they're my favorite star wars sort of eras to to wallow in so to speak but um I the, the first book I remember seeing on the shelf, which I just went, oh, my goodness. Because um, if you're a regular listener here to uh, the Star Wars story, you will know that I am a huge fan 
of Jabba the Hutt. In fact, I think Jabba the Hutt is my favourite Star Wars character. And um, I remember seeing on the shelf the tales from Jabba's palace. Do you remember that book? It was like a short story uh, book. Yes. 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 So I mm. remember taking it home and just reading it cover to cover and staring at the cover because the cover had on the front, if I remember rightly, it had Jabba and it had... Um, Oh god, I think it had one of the characters from like his band, like maybe the Blue Elephant. <laughs> his Blue Elephant in my <laughs> mind, uh, you know, and had loads of characters from like the Jabba's Palace. Which um, again, if you listen to a Star Wars story, and uh, way back with the great Jason Smith when we were watching Return of the Jedi, I personally didn't see all of Return of the Jedi, and no one believes me when I tell them the story, but it's a true story. Um, it was only when I got into my mid to late teenage years that I watched Return of the Jedi past the point where Jabba dies. What? <laughs> so, I, when I, was kid, I was obsessed. I was obsessed with that Jabba the Hutt palace sequence. So I always used to watch it. And as soon as... Um, Jabba's barge got blown up. I turned it off. That was it. The film was over for me. You're kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and and it wasn't until years and years years later that I actually watched beyond <laughs> that point. So, so when you people... just thought the Empire was still in control? Or... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I... Even, even going back and watching the prequel trilogy, I still hadn't watched the end of Return of the Jedi. So it wasn't until I was probably 16, 17 that I'd even seen my first Ewok. We played with the Ewok toys, but we had Ewoks. But I hadn't watched past that point. Nobody believes me, but it's a true story. And um, oh my goodness. I love Jabba so much. I love that whole sequence. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think it's amazing. I was, I was just picturing <laughs> you like in the movie in the movie theater, just emotionally distraught. How, how dare they? <laughs> yeah, I think also I'm not, and this is not a lie. When I went to see when I was younger, and I went to see the special edition, I think my dad had to take me out after that Jabba sequence because I didn't, I just was not interested. That was it. I was done. I left. <laughs> I was distraught that my favourite character had died. I loved Jabba the Hutt. I loved the, the, the creature creations in that sequence were amazing. So imagine me walking into my local library and seeing on the shelf big Jabba's big, you know, sluggish face with the, mm -hmm. with the title Tales from Jabba's Palace. I was like a, a pig in shit, so they say. But uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I took it back and read it cover for cover. And um, I think it got to the point where I kept taking it out from the library so much that the lady in the library got a stamp out and stuck, uh, withdrawn on the book and said, you can have it like you are. Because I used to take oh. it in and then it just used to just take it in and say, can, can you renew this book for me, please? And I think because uh, uh, I just used to read back to back i loved it See, i, I love hearing it. that because i i really love books and i love hearing when somebody gets a book that they love and they read it like multiple times because yeah, yeah that's ah uh, uh, no greater compliment to the author can you give i'll tell you what 
Mm. Absolutely. And and then I sort of discovered as well that there were more books in this series. So there was like Tales of the Bounty Hunters, uh, Tales from, uh, I think it was Moss Eisley Cantina. Yeah, learning about Boba Fett um, and all the other bounty hunters out there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I was just like, oh my God, this is so great. So I started to read them. And it wasn't until um, a little while later that, um, oh, what's the book called? The Truce of something. I can't remember what it was called. The Truce of Baccarat. Truce of Baccarat, yeah. Yes. So that, I think, is the official um, first story after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. If I remember rightly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But also in this time, we got Shadows of the Empire. Yes, that is Shadows of the Empire, Luke, Luke's turn, temporary turn mm. to the dark yeah, side read- after, yes, yes, after finding the, the Emperor still alive. Yes, that was, yeah, mm, that's also one of my favorite stories. Because isn't, because if I remember rightly, that is set between uh, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi because it has all that stuff about you know, Luke training to become, and he, and he sort of has to... I, I, it's been a while. I, no, I, that's, I haven't... it's set after... That's set after um, Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. That's after... Yeah, they're, they're trying to reform the Republic at this point. And they're, oh, they're, right. they're having okay. a problem with it because the, uh, the, the, Imper- the Empire turned into the Imperial Remnant, and they moved out... Uh, they everybody carved up a piece of the of the galaxy. Uh, the Empire took a piece. Um, the Trade Syndicate took a piece. You know what I'm saying? So it all all got split up, and the Empire became known as just the Imperial Remnant, and they controlled their little area of space. And you know what I'm saying? The the Republic pretty much left them. The New Republic pretty much left them alone as long as they stayed out of the galactic business. Hmm. So they sort of just said, go over there, stay in the corner, and don't come out until we say. That was pretty much yep. what yeah, basically. Yeah. Wow. So this Which era, they eventually do. Yes, of course. I think I'm being really selfish sticking to this era of Legends, but this is like the era that I really wallow in because, you know, going into uh, bookshops and libraries and just seeing the covers of these books. I was a little bit too young to read like these novels because they were aimed at uh, an older reading audience, I think, because they aimed the books at people that, you know, were fans of the film, which are obviously, you know, are slightly older at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, you had the truce of Baccarat, then you had, um, I- I'm looking at the uh, Star Wars fandom page for the running order. So I do excuse me if I do get it wrong, don't have a go at me. Have a go at starwars.fandom.com. And, yeah, uh, they changed their site. I'm sorry, but they changed. It used to be, it was, I'm talking completely and perfectly chronologically organized. But after Disney took over, they took down the original and put up their own. And yeah, some of the stuff is a little, a little hooey. But oh, if you could have seen the original Star Wars webpage, I'm telling you, it had detailed... I mean, detailed, pages long, histories, and oh, wow. biographies on 
every character, ship, robot, droid, and machine. It was it was the most. It, I would get lost in that thing for hours. Hours. Yeah. Oh wow! And now it's just a list. Yeah. Now it's not, not <laughs> yeah. much going on. <laughs> they, they threw out all the. They threw out all the old cannon. They threw everything out. And now yeah. they're, they're gonna. It's yeah. Mm, it hurts. <laughs> so they it brought hurts. out a series of books, um, which was set sort of after Return of the Jedi as well. The Bounty Hunter Wars, which was you know the uh, the Mandalorian armor, slave ship, and hard merchandise. And I always remember hard merchandise because of the cover. It had the Emperor on it and Boba Fett. And I always used to think, what is their relationship? Like, have they met? Are they friends? Do they go for drinks on a Friday night? What is the relationship <laughs> between the Emperor? <laughs> And Boba Fett, can you um, can you fill me in at all on that relationship? Did they have a relationship? Uh, I mean, other than him being the you know the best bounty hunter in the galaxy, no, there's no nothing personal. No, you, you know, <laughs> <I'm serious. laughs> but yeah, I, they say with this new canon, they're saying that the reason that uh, Vader always called on Boba Fett and kept him around all the time was because you know he reminded him of Commander Cody oh okay because you mm. obviously that's that's his voice <laughs> every time yeah so. yeah but, yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean yeah makes sense he was a he was a but he was their their best Bonnie hunter he Hunted down Jedi form. He he was very capable of killing Jedi. Uh, in the old canon, it used to be uh, you see uh, the the trophies he has on him, and some of them, some of his uh, some of the trophies on him he's carrying around are like Wookiee fur uh, from the Wookies, hunted mm-hmm. and killed. Uh, he's kept you know lightsabers from Jedi's and. Uh, I believe the Padawan ponytails. Oh, yeah, Boba was when they first started writing Boba Fett. He was like he was like super savage, and then yeah. he mellowed <laughs> as, as the series went on. He mellowed and almost became pretty much uh, uh, basically basically you see him as a as a good guy coming towards the end yeah. of the series, and then obviously now we're getting. Uh, very excited for the book of Boba Fett coming out at Christmas. Yes. Um, him taking over Jabba's palace. I'm so excited. Oh my um, goodness. <laughs> I hope this is an ongoing series. I hope it's not just a one season and done. Well, you know that if he ever leaves Jabba's palace, I'm turning it off. Like, I mean, it's right? for Jabba's palace. <laughs> <laughs> You know, well, he finds he like Jabba's baby <laughs> in like a cradle in the back, and now he's got to raise him. <laughs> yeah, but Jabba, but Jabba did have a son. You know, we know from Clone Wars. Yeah. like I think the first series of Clone Wars that Jabba had a mm-hmm. son that was. Oh no, the film, the film Clone Wars that Jabba had a, a son. So um, it could there could possibly be some huts in this story. You know, like maybe Jabba's son out for revenge for his dad's murder. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen. That's that's another thing. I wonder if they're going to change in like 
uh, in the original canon, like the huts you see are, you know, these big, fat, you know, slug-like creatures. But when they're in the, in the books, they were, when they're young, you know what I'm saying, they were a lot smaller and more maneuverable, and they didn't get, you know, start putting on the weight until they had, you know, set up their empires. So I wonder. Yeah, they were they were quite cute. They were quite yeah. cute when they were young, weren't they? But, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, unfortunately, they do turn into really fat, ugly things. But yeah. I love Jabba. <laughs> I just love the design. I just think the design of Jabba the Hutt is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, good. I did look at it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay, well, let's, we've got a couple of messages, so let's hit some messages, and then I want to talk about um, X-Wing, the X-Wing series, which I think will be quite interesting to talk about. Right, okay. hang on a minute, there's, hang on a second, bear with me, there's couple of messages that we won't be hello Keith Andrews 2020 and uh, Veda I hope you guys are having a great life happy 420 for those who celebrate we are on our way to uh, Dr. Green Thumb's dispensary in Cathedral City California I'm here with Betty Bishop hello garden clothes and taco truck Hello. Hello. Hi, everybody. These are the voices inside my head today. In real life. We're live. We're live, people. In life. In real life. It's so cool to say that. Live life. I hope you guys have a wonderful show. I'm here to listen. Woo! Clap it up. Clap it up. Share the room. If you don't subscribe to Keith Andrews, do so. Follow your two co-hosts. All right, guys. Have a great live. I'm high. I'm sorry. That car trip sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> that sounds like a party waiting to happen. <laughs> Have they you never heard of a cup of tea? <laughs> oh my goodness. No, no, no 420 for me. I respect my lungs too much. Me and my lungs are quite attached. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Oh, that's a great picture you've just sent me. Yeah, I thought you'd like this? it. I'm gonna yes. put this on. Uh, I'm gonna put this on my Instagram, uh, guys. If you are listening, want to follow me on Instagram? Vader has just sent me a very cool picture of a huge hut. Gracchus the hut. His name is Gracchus. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about Gracchus. Uh, he's a. So it was a crime lord. Uh, I believe on. I want to say on Hutter. Uh, I don't know a lot about him, but yeah, yeah, he was, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was quite, quite the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he looks amazing. And, and what's that from? Is that from the comics? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what comic that was from. Hold on a second. I've shared that picture on my Instagram, guys. So just click on my face. You'll find my Instagram there. Uh, have a look. That is one mean-looking hut. Yeah, that is. But he's from um, the old canon, the expanded universe. So yeah. So I mean, oh, he probably, as far as Disney's concerned, he probably doesn't exist anymore. But oh my god, yeah. Disney in the, the, in the expanded universe. And the, the, yeah, the, the huts had a the huts. There was there was a hut Jedi. 
uh, Bella Dorian. And yeah, oh. there's. I mean, how yeah, do you there's... move around with a lightsaber? Like, like, like uh, snakes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! How did he jump up onto ledges and things like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they got the slime trail. <laughs> uh, got the slime trail. <laughs> <laughs> That's really gross. I can't imagine a jab a Jabba the Hutt Jedi. Although I am getting ideas now. I am I'm very excited <laughs> about the images in my head. Jabba the Hutt Jedi. That's incredible. That's incredible. I've got to tell you a funny story about Jabba the Hutt. The other day, my nephew came down because uh, my brother's going away with work for a little while. So it's going to be the, the, the last time we're going to get to see them for a bit. And uh, he came down and I had uh, a Jabba the Hutt figure from the special edition re-release you know the figure of Jabba um in A New Hope when they re-added that scene in uh, oh okay okay yeah so it was that figure and a little Han Solo and it was boxed and everything and I asked my sister-in-law can I give that to Robin my nephew and she was like yeah he'll love it so he's only five so I gave it to him and he took it out of the box and he was looking at it and everything and I and he said, um, "Oh, what wh- what is it?" And I said, "It's Jabba the Hutt. He's um, he's a crime lord gangster, and he runs this palace which is full of, you know, criminals and prostitutes." And I was talking, I was thinking, "How is this film for kids?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kids need to know about prostitutes, so, you know, when when for when they get older, they can make a and choice. He was looking at me, <laughs> yeah, he was looking at me as if to say, "Pardon." And then I and then I said he doesn't speak English either. He speaks in um in a different language. And he was like, "Oh, can you can you tell me what language he speaks in?" And my mind immediately went to that Family Guy uh, moment of Jabba the Hutt. So I went, "Oh, he says Utagula nula nipple finchy." Yes, a tease. <laughs> well, did and you my know? My sister-in-law's looking at me like. You've just told him that this thing is a slug gangster that runs criminals and um, prostitutes. And he also talks about nipple pinching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, this isn't looking good, is it? For poor poor old Jabba. But um, yeah, well, he took the figure and apparently he was playing with it in the car all the way home. So he loves it. I made a, um, a Jabba the Hutt fan out of my nephew. I'm so proud. Nice, nice. Do you got like a big uh? Do you got like a big collection of Star Wars stuff? No, we used to have a big collection, but as you know, um, from our previous episode, my mum gave a lot of our Star Star Wars figures to charity shops or Goodwill, as you would call them. Yeah. Loads of stuff. And, you didn't rebuild? Um, no, it's too expensive now. Oh, too expensive. Yeah. Some of those figures are worth so much. And also, like I said to you before, the figures that we did have left uh, were the Ewoks, because the Ewoks were the only figures we were allowed to play with in the bath. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were the only ones that we had in the bath, and my mum was like, well, I don't want to give their bath toys away. So I was like, thanks, mum. So the only Star Wars <laughs> figures we have left is the Ewoks. What, what about but, your Chewbacca? Um, Chewbacca didn't have no clothes? 
<laughs> she at least saved Chewbacca. She's like, this must be I their know, father. I... This must be well, their father. He can save <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think my mum wasn't, my mum's not a big Star Wars fan. So I think that maybe she thought that Ewoks like lived in the water because they were little they were bears. I'm not entirely sure of what her like, <laughs> thought process was. But um, yes, but at least I'm just going to say this and I mean this, or you know that I mean this with so much love, but uh, giving away figures to um, Goodwill at least made someone happy. Giving away your Millennium Falcon for a frog. Yeah. <laughs> oh. It was brief happiness. Brief oh. happiness. It was, it was. I look and oh, I think about that all the time. I'm, I had, I had <laughs> the original, the original. If I would still have that now, oh my goodness, yeah. Oh my goodness, I could probably that thing would probably be worth probably a good three or four grand, easy. Yeah, yeah, easy. And in the meantime, that frog is probably dead. Mm-hmm. He died that day. so just to tell you the story very briefly guys vader wasn't allowed to go near the creek so he said to a boy um i will give you my My next door neighbor your next door neighbor i'll give you my millennium falcon if you give me a frog and the frog died that day so he Mm -hmm. didn't even get a full 24 hours of of happiness with the frog Mm-hmm. Shit. Maybe, maybe a good, maybe a good three hours. And I think my mom came home from work. And then, you know, I got a good cursing out. Yes. <laughs> and then I had to go to bed. So probably a good, in total, good three hours. Did your mom not <laughs> think about up. going around and, and getting it? Or was she like, no, a deal was a deal? Huh? Yeah, she, oh, she taught me a lesson. She taught me a lesson. <laughs> I remember That's my brother wanted to go beat him up, but she wouldn't let him. <laughs> That's a very expensive lesson, right there, Vader. Yeah, it was like, and back then, I think, I think she paid. I think it was probably like forty bucks back then, and that back back in the seventies, that was a lot of money. <laughs> Nowadays, everybody yeah, you know, they throw forty dollars, but yeah, back then, forty dollars was a lot of money. Oh my gosh. That's I tell everyone that story. And yeah. I only tell it because it makes me feel a little bit better about the fact that our figures were given away for good <laughs> Just makes me feel that little bit better, you know? <laughs> okay, uh, we've got a few messages here. Let's hit these ditties. Oh, hang on. Why does it keep coming back? Let's hit this uh, ditty right here, and then I want to talk to you about X-Wing Rogue Squadron. Here we go. You will never know the power of the dark side. Ooh. A Star Wars story about Skywalker, when it should be about me. <laughs> you will answer to the hierarchy of the dark side. You smell like rebellion. <laughs> oh, Hi, Jay. my God. I think I just fell in love with his voice. Oh, yes. my God. What? What? 
Oh, we yeah. should make some videos together, dude. <laughs> Follow your boy. <laughs> yeah. Jay's been on before to the Star Wars story and has done some really great impressions, especially of uh, Emperor Palpatine. That's my favorite. But thanks for joining us and coming along, Jay. We've got a couple, we've got another message from you. Hopefully, Palpatine. Oh, 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 no, Uh-oh. that was just, uh, that was an audible test. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, come back. That was the force. Yeah, we, it was the force. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what the force sounds like. <laughs> that's the force. It sounds like a kidnapped Donald Duck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Would that um, not have been awesome? Every time they use the force, you hear. It. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so X Wing <coughs> Rogue Squadron um, was a series of novels that were first published in 1996. Um, they were basically sort of a recreation of the Rogue Squadron Chronicles, um, starring, of, of course, Wedge, which mm-hmm. is the best Star Wars name ever, apart from Porkins. Wedge! <laughs> <laughs> Wedge Antilles, yes, the famous Antilles yes. family. Yeah, and um, yeah, so basically it's a story all about uh, Wedge's experience um, commanding the X-Wing uh, squadron. So did you have any experience? Did you read these ones? Rogue, I did, because that was, like I said, I, I was I had a hard time with the, uh, if Luke and them wasn't hanging out. <laughs> so I didn't really, I, I, you know, I tried to follow the story, but I didn't really read the books. I wasn't a super fan of them. Yeah. So um, it, these were the like the very first Star Wars novels not to feature Luke, uh, Han yeah. Solo, or Leia Organa Solo. Um, but uh, there's some quite nice continuity. For example, Porkins whee, is said to have crashed into the Death Star uh, due to being unable to pull out of a dive. But according to other sources, he was shot down by the station's turret. So there's actually a little bit of controversy whether uh, Porkins was a bad driver or whether he was shot down. So mm. let's forget Ooh. all about who shot first with Guido and Han Solo. Was Porkins shot down or did he crash? I, I think he crashed. Because, I mean, I think... I mean, he was kind of big. I mean, you know, he was stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, see, he was stuffed into that X, that uh, X wing. Yeah, it was uh, overflowing. You know, see, you can't really, you can't really whip it like you need to. <laughs> <laughs> with your elbows in your belly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I do. And he was quite, um, yeah. There was a little bit of excess overflow, shall we speak? And I swear I saw a bucket of chicken sit next to him right before it exploded. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just saying. (laughs) He had something sitting there. I saw a little drink cup. (laughs) (laughs) Never eat and drive, Porkins. Right. What happens? (laughs) Oh, poor Porkins. I mean, who thought in their right mind that it would be good representation to have a character called Porkins and make it (laughs) the fattest X-Wing? 
partner ever. Right. How did that even slip fast? I mean, come on. George, the fat guy, we're going to call him Porkins. <laughs> He's mad. And we got to stuff him in an X Wing. They couldn't even make him a, a, his own special X Wing. <laughs> yeah. We was going to put some butter on your hips and, and push you up in Oh, no. <laughs> Squeeze him in, rub some Vaseline on and squeeze him into that cockpit. Oh, man. I'm you can't wear your pants in the ship, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I'm getting some really nasty images <laughs> popping into my head right now. That's so funny. So, um, this also, like, Biggs, you know, Biggs, so Big Dark Lighter. Is that his surname? Big Dark, dark Lighter yeah. is Biggs' surname. Yeah. Is it? Never they had knew the that. <laughs> wow. Okay, so given this um given in this novel, uh the age of big stark lighters given in this novel is also contradicted by other sources. So sixteen year old Gavin Darklighter mentions that his cousin was eight years older than him, suggesting that Biggs was approximately eighteen years old at the time of his death. He was not 18 years old. He had a tash and everything. Right. <laughs> no one has a moustache like that at 18. No one. The porn stash? You don't have a porn stash at 18. I wish. Yeah. I wish. You, you have like bum fluff. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't grow facial hair until I was 25. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Biggs was not 18. Whoever wrote that novel really did not do their their moustache research. <laughs> but if you look at uh look at Alec Guinness, if you look at Alec Guinness in in time comparison from uh, Clone Wars and stuff, maybe people just age quicker. <laughs> maybe they just I mean look that old is true. Quicker. That is true. I mean, it, he seemed to go white, didn't he? But then again, he did. I mean, we don't know what happened in the desert, do we? We're going to find out, obviously, in the Kenobi series. But, you know, maybe he just gets gradually whiter hair and, you know, yeah. maybe it's living with those Tuscan Raiders that just, you know, make you age. Yeah. I can imagine that they're quite stressful. I can imagine they don't clear up after themselves. Or not using yeah. the force. No. I can imagine that Obi-Wan Kenobi was like waking up in the morning going, guys, come on. <laughs> Someone just pick up the, the... I mean, there's chicken legs all over. <laughs> what Has Porky been around? There's chicken legs everywhere. Pick up the beer cans. <laughs> No, you piss off. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or aren't yourself. <laughs> yeah, and yours too, you bastard. <laughs> oh, my word. I can imagine living in that environment is quite stressful. Poor Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, but yes, I mean, that I do not that believe that to be true about Biggs. But... Um, this series, uh, the X-Wing series, was so popular. I mean, it, they made comic books out of it. They made TV, um, sorry, um, computer games out of it. You know, it really was a huge series. And it ran for 10 novels. Now, I know that a lot of people think, well, 10 novels isn't a lot. But for a series about, like, one, a single character, you know, 
they judge it by sales, but also popularity. I think 10 books is pretty good. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the usual run. That's the usual. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. That's the usual run for like when they, when they run their series, it's usually about between nine and 12 books. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's 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 confidence in a story right there if they gave him 10 books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I think with these, I mean, Star Wars is pretty much a franchise that you can write and release anything and fans are going to buy it. You know, fans are very loyal to the franchise. If you can mm-hmm. pitch it correctly people will want that it's like any fact it's like doctor who like i always compare star wars to doctor who i know i do but it is like um it's got such a mythology behind it and there are gaps in that mythology and if people are going to write and contribute to that and fill in those gaps or you know Mm -hmm. follow a character that maybe we didn't get to spend much time with in the films like wedge um then people are going to buy that and want to read it and want to consume it because remember this is the time when this is the 90s you know you had three movies that was it and yeah. an Ewoks and Droids TV show and two Ewok movies that was pretty much it <laughs> but I think that's what that's what I think helped make Star Wars so big because the, the three movies that we did have I mean universally loved yeah. and Everybody liked it. Like they say, you know what I'm saying? You always leave them wanting more. Everybody wanted more to the point that they act, that they started making more, but they didn't give you that visual satisfaction. They gave you, you know, mental satisfaction with books. And then that built a bigger mythos behind it. You know what I'm saying? That's where people started, you know, really using their imaginations like they're supposed to when you're thinking about Star Wars. And that's what really just made it the 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 mega beast that it is i think absolutely absolutely because every franchise has its wilderness years you know where either mm-hmm. like new content's not being made or maybe one form of content is being made in this case the the novels you know and they yeah. really keep flame alive for the franchise and they really did i mean you know i'm looking over a list of the the books that came out in that time you know, featuring our three main characters, Luke, Han, and Leia. You know, we got the, obviously, the Thrawn trilogy, which we'll talk about in a moment, because I did message you earlier going, I want to talk about Thrawn, like, forever. <laughs> and um, we'll, we'll talk about that. So, um, and then you had the Jedi Academy trilogy, and then you had loads of sort of individual stories. You have a um, Kevin J. Anderson, who I always remember enjoying his books, uh, wrote a fantastic novel, uh, Dark Saber, which um, I remember yeah. enjoying, not because it's got huts in it, but there are <laughs> huts in it. Just saying. <laughs> there are maybe a couple of huts. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Something that speak basic. <laughs> yeah, man, I love the huts. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so, you know, there's so many great stories to tell. And, you know, we've got the Black Fleet Crisis novels. You've got uh, the Quirillian trilogy, and then mm-hmm. like sort of that era of Star Wars legend novels sort of come to a close, um, a little bit um, full circle, so to speak, with the hand of Thrawn uh, duology, 
which was Spectre of the Past and Vision of the Future. Um, so can we please talk a little bit about Thrawn, uh, yeah. a little bit of backstory about him? So yeah. uh, who is Grand Admiral Thrawn? Grand Admiral Thrawn, which, like like you said, the, the books that you said he was in, and uh, it, it, he was a character that originally was supposed to be just a one-time, just-for-the-story character, and he was actually killed off, you know what I'm saying, when, after his, uh, his first appearance. And that he was so popular, you know, they resurrected him. So, I mean, yeah, Thrawn, he's, 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 a, he's what's called a, a Chiss, and his people are uh, from the Chiss Ascendancy. They lived on a planet called Rentor. And mm. now what a lot of people don't know, Thorn's real name was Mithra Naruna or something like that. Mithra Naruna. Okay. You know, a lot of their names are pretty hard to pr- pronounce. But they, you know, they called him, they called him Vron. And then, you know, it just ended up being Thrawn. But, uh, he was from, uh, he was, like I said, he was from the planet Rendor, and they stayed in the Outer Rim that you always hear him talking about in, uh, you know, the prequels and, you know, the Clone the clone Wars and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, he started, I think he came from a poor, he, he was born to a poor family, and he actually had a sister that was Force-sensitive, and their government took uh took their took her from the family because they don't have you know force sensitive people. Uh yeah. and she was actually called Skywalker because <gasps> they used it was the only their females, only chess females would get the force and they would only get it from I think like maybe let's say like 10 till they hit puberty. So the government would snatch them up and they would use them to pilot their ships because they didn't have any kind of navigational technology. So they used, you know, there's force sensitives for navigation. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Wow. It's like child labor. Right. It ba- yeah, it basically was. It basically was. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, and you know, Thrawn threw up, you know, of course, he joins the military and he goes out and, uh, you know, he spends the, his, the beginning of his career, he, you know, he uh, explores the Outer Rim and he was on a ship. Uh, his first ship, I think, was called uh, the, uh, the, the Nickadern Destiny. I believe, I believe. And uh, that is where he first met Anakin and Padme and actually helped them out because he wasn't he wasn't always a villain. He was a brilliant tactician. He was a brilliant okay. and and completely and totally ruthless in getting his job done. But I mean, it wasn't like he wasn't evil he just was savagely good at his job <laughs> you know what I'm saying 
<laughs> yeah. And uh, he wanted, uh, he met, you know, he met Anakin and Padme. Uh, well, he met Anakin first and he was trying to find Padme. Padme had gotten, I think she got kidnapped or something. And he actually, Thrawn helped him find, you know, get reunited with her and everything. And they actually had asked uh, him to help them fight in the... Uh, wait, wasn't him? No, no. He, he asked them to help, but, but they told him about, you know, the, at the time, you know, Palpatine, but he thought that, you know, the democratic process was just, you know too much paperwork and <laughs> move too slow. Yeah. So <laughs> You'll say, yeah, he, did, he turned yeah. all that down. <laughs> wow. But yeah, but yeah, he had a, he had a, he had a, he had a good career. Uh, uh, well, I'll say, I won't say good career because his life is always rife with strife. <laughs> but uh, he had a yeah. good career in um, the Chiss Ascendancy. And then we just fast forward. He jumps to where he uh, actually fakes his own exile to get it, so he can get, you know, to learn about, you know, troopers and everything. You know, what I'm saying he was actually kind of waging war against, you know, the uh, the empire, and uh, oh. that's where he meets the uh, the emperor, and the emperor sees. You know, what I'm saying this guy is. You know what I'm saying? He's he, he he's not he's not human, but he he's pretty smart. So he yeah. gives him, he gives him the opportunity to join the uh the empire and you know puts him in the academy. The Imperial Academy. Mm-hmm. And he goes in and when he when he goes in, they put him as uh you know, everybody goes in as an ensign, but they put him as a lieutenant. Just to make it harder for him because they knew nobody would respect him, so he had to fight basically for everything he got, and still became one of the most decorated and only aliens that the emperor allowed to rise to any kind of prominence in the empire. Because the the emperor yeah. was pretty racist. Yep, Palpatine <laughs> was xenophobic, racist. Yes. <laughs> Even though he looked like a, you know, a piece of white dog poo, he still was horrible to everyone else. (laughs) 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 Sorry, sorry. Continue. I'm really enjoying this. I'm I'm really loving uh, this uh, Thorn biography. It's amazing. Oh, uh, I'm trying to see what else did he do. He's the. I mean, well, uh. As going through the academy, I know he uh he was on a bunch of ships. <laughs> a bunch of, I think his first his first command was uh and I can't remember I can't remember the book. But uh I wanna say his first ship was the Blood Crow. Blood Crow. Okay. And uh, there, his job was like hunting down smugglers and helping people in distress. And he ended up, he, what was it? He, uh, he was given a mission to to get these, say, get these canisters or something 
somebody had stolen stolen a bunch of special canisters of some kind of some kind of chemical agent or something. And uh you met this guy named Night Swan. And they uh you know they ended up, you know how you know how it is. They they get together, they work together to get these things back. And um it turns out the guy Night Swan is really you know, it was all it was all a trap. And he ends up capturing him and all his men. And, you know, they're going to kill him and his men. And he gives them a choice. You know what I'm saying? You know, you tell your dudes, you know, surrender or whatnot. Or, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Alternative. So it was he had the choice yeah. to either save the canisters or his people. He saved his people. And because of that, he ends up getting, you know what I'm saying? He ends up, he still ends up getting the canisters, but he gets, uh, he gets court-martialed. Okay, but he ends up, you know, he gets through the court martial without getting court martial because the emperor recognizes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, he saved his, you know what I'm saying? He should have saved, you know, my, my, my shit, but you know what I'm saying? He saved his man, yeah. so, so he ends up getting that's, that's loyal, that was, yeah, yes, loyalty was the key, and that's how he ended up moving up even further, and he got his first uh position as captain. And then, you know what I'm saying, from there, that's where, you know, the Empire falls, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And everything's pretty much changed now because of, so, uh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> and then, obviously, he becomes Admiral, and then that's when the um, the original Thorn trilogy I, takes place, I assume. Yes, this one that, yeah, this is the, the Disneyverse. Disney verse Thrawn trilogy, yeah, yeah. Wow, and I know that there's a lot of novels and things being released now. Um, sort of, you know, uh, Thrawn Ascendancy, which is basically like a lot of backstory, I think. And um, of course, I mean, Vader. Are we going to see him in the Ashoka series? I believe. I, 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 we have to. We have to, because after after all the events of Rebels, mm-hmm. you have to. We know, we know he's still alive. Yeah. So, I mean, just to bring everything full circle, he's got to be on Ahsoka, and so does Ezra Bridger. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. that—that's the story. You can't—you can't tell Thrawn's story without because the la- who's the last person you saw Thrawn with? Ezra Bridger. Yeah. So I mean, you can't have one without the other, and the only place they can tell the story is going to be Ahsoka because she's the only one tied to Thrawn, really. Yeah. Do you think that uh, Thrawn will become? Like the the new big bad in the Star Wars universe, linking all these series together. Hmm. I. I'm not sure. I hope so. I, I yeah, I would hope so. But who is like really in charge? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. right now, I mean, it's it's still a vacuum of power. And then after the events, yes. after the events of you know the rise of Skywalker, you know what I'm saying? It's an even bigger vacuum. 
No, so, that's true. I mean, is Torn still alive even in that time of the rise of Skywalker? You know, right. that is obviously there, you know, like 30 years later. Like, where is Torn in that universe? Be interesting right. to see uh, if they only tackle his story in the TV show, which I suppose they will. But for me, like, I would say having got a bit of an obsession with Thrawn and um, and his goings on, I would say he's probably the second best baddie in the Star Wars universe after, well, no, the third, I'd say. I do like the Emperor, obviously Darth Vader, and then Thrawn is up there for me as big bads because it's just, uh, just a really interesting character. You know, like you said at the beginning, wasn't necessarily bad, but was sort of turned that way through circumstance, which if you think about it, apart from the Emperor and a few others, aren't all the bad characters in Star Wars turned, you know, to the dark side just because of circumstance? I think it's, um, I think he's a really interesting character and I can't wait to see, um, see him appear on our screens. Who do you think should play Thrawn? Oh, if somebody was going to play Thrawn, I, w- I want it to be Jason Isaacs. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. He's the, he was just in my head just then, Vader. Yes, he, I mean, he's the perfect, the perfect Thrawn. If you saw him in uh, the first season of Star Trek Discovery, I, I, I'm uh, he, he's yeah. Thrawn. He 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 is he's he's the only person I would I would like to see do it. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on that because Jason Isaacs is also a really nice person. So I reckon that he would be really like up for all the fan attention that he would get. Oh yeah, yeah. That's it, it's got to be somebody that's going to be that's going to want attention because you're going to get. Yeah, it. but everybody yeah, loves exactly. him. Everybody just, loves him, so it would all be really positive. Who, yeah, or just somebody who can who is lovely with the fans, and he's also very well versed because he has been part of a huge, you know, sort of franchise before with Harry Potter. So he knows what it's like to be in a franchise mm-hmm. and how to deal with it. So yeah. I'm going to put my um, my vote in as well. Same as you, Vader. I would love to see Jason Isaacs play Thrawn in um, in Star Wars, in whatever yep. series he pops up in. Yep. I will be uh, yep. calling Disney in the morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey? Mickey, damn it, call Jason Isaacs now. Hello, Vader. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. We meet again at last. (laughs) We meet again, baby, you bastard. (laughs) Apparently, you've got a very big Mickey. Mickey, no, no, no. (laughs) Mickey, (laughs) you promised you wouldn't tell. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't tell anybody. That was Minnie. No, shut up, get away. Anyway, uh, we've got some messages from our lovely listeners. Uh, let's get through these dits. Um, I think this is definitely going to have to be a two-part evader because I've got so many more questions to ask you about um, the Legends universe. But let's hit these oh, yeah. dits because these guys have been waiting. Here we if go. If you saw a bucket of chicken sitting next to him, was it a grease explosion? Question mark. How the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That see that makes sense. That's probably what it was. He didn't get oh shot God. or crashed. He spilt the grease on the console. <laughs> oh no. It, it was a grease fire out of control. 
<laughs> That's terrible. Poor Porkins. Poor Porkins. Okay. And um, he- sorry, hello, Xander. How are um, how are? Oh, sorry. Who was that? Xantia. Uh, Xantia. Sorry, I couldn't see who it was. But yes, hello and. Uh, Thank you for coming in and commenting. There's quite a few messages here to get through. Here we go. You could only pull it off, I think, if you had that good French hairy mustache. About it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm still convinced that Biggs was not 18 years old, though. I think that's a load of rubbish. No. Rubbish! Didn't they explain <laughs> it in the NPR series of Star Wars, you know, A New Hope, in the beginning? Because... There's like an, a couple episodes that aren't even really covered. Just the book generalizes it, I believe. Oh, what was that in relation to? Yeah, cover, cover. You got to come back, Zancy. Cover that covers what? Yeah, you need to know, you need to remind us because we're old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been we can't, I can't even remember if I've taken my vitamins today, let alone what we've been talking about. <laughs> The Wheel of Time is like 13. That's pretty damn good, as far as I'm concerned. A 10 book series. Heck yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, if you're mentioning The Wheel of Time by Robert, oh, the name escapes me. My God, like, that is like an epic. I'm surprised that that hasn't been picked up by, uh, for a series by somebody. That is an even bigger epic than, like, Game of Thrones. But uh, yeah, 10 books. I mean, they're not massive books. You know, they're quite you know, maybe read over a weekend books. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, definitely just shows you how popular, like even the smaller niche um, characters and situations are from Star Wars. So the fact that they released a 10 novel series about, you know, a character that we see for about 38 seconds. Yeah. And it was, what's so bad about it though was it was the waiting <laughs> the waiting oh, on because yeah. it's like they release them every three months, three or four months. Yeah. So you know, ten books, you got like two years of just what's gonna happen next. <laughs> yeah, and good story. Yeah. Heard, oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people obviously these books have been out for a while now, so they're you know people can get them in bulk and read them, so they don't really have that sort oh. of feeling of. Waiting. No. I, Y'all I kids that, are lucky. <laughs> oh god, yeah. And especially with things like um obviously like Netflix that now release series all in one go, you know, like there's not even you don't even have to wait for the next episode these days. I, but, I um, love that and hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh definitely. Now I do believe if you just bear with me one second, I'm just having a look. I do believe there is a new Thrawn Yes, so um Thrawn Ascendancy, which is a prequel trilogy uh, of the Thorn. So the the second book, Thorn Book Two, The Greater Good, is released on the twenty seventh of April. So if anyone is reading the Thorn books or wants to read them, you can get the second instalment in just a week, one week today. Oh, okay. So cool. And if you uh, enjoy that, then the next book. The third book in the trilogy will be released on November the 16th, 2021. So that's when the latest Thorn Ascendancy 
sort of series will come to a head. Maybe, you know, that's November, then going into obviously Boba Fett in December. So that's quite nice. Maybe we'll get some sort of feeling around there about yeah. the Ashoka series and stuff. So maybe maybe we get some more Thorn after that, definitely. But um, yeah, I think it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan for the expanded universe stuff. Not necessarily, I know that a lot of people are like, yeah, but it's Disney and they buggered it up. But I do think that a lot of these spin-off books like Thorn Ascendancy, you have to remember that they're written by timothy zane who right. created this character so it's the right. creator writing about his creation so no matter no matter how you feel about disney and the the direction that star wars went in you know this is this is the guy that had that original seed and was writing those original books so they're going to be good i haven't i personally haven't delved into the ascendancy books yet um i i'm gonna i've treated it a little bit like I would a Netflix series or a TV series. I'm going to wait for all of them to come out before I start because I hate waiting, like we've just mentioned. <laughs> right. Oh, that's can't that's probably what I'm going to do. That's because yeah, because yeah. this all oh, the waiting is just and they always leave you on a cliffhanger at the end. Yeah. Of book, it's a cliffhanger, and you're just like, oh, you dirty good. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! But, yeah. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, so by the end of the year, you know, by the end of this year, by Christmas, we'll have the uh, the two Ascendancy books out. Now. So that might give us some like information maybe about where they're going with Thorne's character and how we're going to see him in the upcoming TV series. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I, wow, I wonder. I really wonder. Absolutely. Me okay, too. So, okay, so with the TV series... The TV series is going to be set. Uh, well, right now, Mandalorian is five years after Return of the Jedi. So, where is Ahsoka going to fall before, after the. It's going to be after the Mandalorian. Yeah, because right? she was in season two. Okay, so at this point. Uh, Thrawn has been missing with Ezra since the end of Rebels, which was the beginning of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. So right now, Thrawn has been missing for how many years would that be? Probably about 15, 10, 15 years? Around be 10, between A New Hope and Five years after Return of the Jedi. Five so years I think, after. So there, I think there was... Oh, God. I, I, I did all this working out with Jason. I can't remember. So from New Hope to Empire Strikes Back, I think there was two years. So that's two. And then from Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi, I think there was five years or something like between those two. So that is seven years. And then... Um, then you've got five years, so seven, yeah, about 12 years. Okay, so about 12 years. Okay, so then is Ahsoka looking for him because Ezra is dead? Mm. Makes me wonder. Because why isn't she looking for Ezra? Yeah. But that's that's a whole nother yeah. story. Don't, 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 don't let me get off track. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 
fine. We will we'll definitely get into this like in a in an episode coming up, hundred percent. Because this is what I love. I love the fact that we've done the rewatches. You know, we've watched all the films, and now we're delving into this expanded universe. Whether it be Legends, the um, the jettisoned expanded universe, or you know the universe <laughs> that we have now. Um, yeah, right. We've got a couple more messages to get through. Here we go. Yes, Vader, you're saying Thrawn was thorough to get to the ends, which is someone the the Emperor would want. Mm. Yeah. Thorough. Thorough. <laughs> As hell. Yeah. Savagely thorough. <laughs> Absolutely. Right, I'm hoping that Jay, Jay's got a message coming up. I'm hoping it's an impression of the Emperor or whatever it is. I'm sure it's going to be fabulous. Here we go. I've heard that a buddy of mine, <laughs> his name's Mark Hamill. And he's worked on this Star Wars movie before. Now, I don't know what he's done. I heard he played a pretty good character. Better than mine, actually. <laughs> you know what, Holly? Get the car. We'll go to the movies. We're going to watch some Star Wars tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good Mark Hamill doing the Joker. I like that. <laughs> yeah. That was great. That was scary. I'm scared. Right. <laughs> that was great. That was excellent. Absolutely excellent. Well, Vader, I'm going to put a pin in part one because I think we've come to a really good place where we've talked about Thrawn. And I think next week we can really go and expand slightly more on um, where we feel maybe that the TV series are going to go from here. We can talk oh. about... Um, you know, all the upcoming Disney Plus stuff and, of course, uh, Ahsoka as well because I really love that character and I really hope that uh, her series does her justice. But thank you so much uh, for coming to join us. Thank you. And, um, yeah, may the Force be with you, Vader. And with you, my friend. Have a good night and I'll speak to you very soon. Right on. Have a good one. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. Thank you very much. Lots of love. Cheerio. We are officially out. Oh, wait a minute, I think. How you shut this thing? Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast live. Don't forget, you can get involved on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to send us an email with any suggestions or recommendations, you can send those to film I love most podcast at yahoo.com. Thank you very much, and I hope that you join us next time here at the Films I Love Most podcast. Yeah.